Isn't it good to worship the Lord? Isn't it a good thing in our lives? Have you noticed that, for example, on Sundays, when Pastor Samral is running around from campus to campus, he's not one of these pastors that has everything all timed down to the minute and sits in his office drinking coffee until just the time when he's going to preach and then rushes in to preach. He doesn't do that. He is there when he comes from, let's say he's coming from south, he comes to Maine, he's there for the worship. Why is he there for worship? Because, you know, we were reading just a while ago that God equips us with strength. One of the ways he equips us with strength is when we worship. If we are worshiping God, reciting his deeds, who he is, what he does, it literally strengthens us. And I can remember doing that. We used to say doing the spin, going from south to Maine to east, back to Maine again in our daily services. And at one time, then going back to south for one last evening service. In all of that, people would say, how do you do it? You go to the worship service and it revives you. It strengthens you. So it's a good thing to worship the Lord as we start our day. It will give you the strength. God will equip you with strength. Now we are about to read our Old Testament reading, and we are getting into the book of Exodus, chapter 21. We have quite a lengthy passage to read. These are now the rules and regulations that God is laying out before his people. And sometimes when people read their Bibles, they have a tendency to kind of skip through these and say, let me get to the good part. Let me get to the stories. Let me get to the, you know, the New Testament maybe. But when we are reading these rules and regulations, we're actually learning how God thinks. And as we read our passage today, we're going to see an awful lot of care on the part of God about our, how we treat our fellow man. How do we treat those who work for us? How do we treat our neighbors? How do we treat people around us? Social justice is incredibly important to God. He will have something to say about it if we do not treat people fairly and with righteousness and with justice. If we just go venting and just go spouting off about people, God, God sees that and he doesn't like it. He wants us to be fair to people. He wants us to love our fellow men, love our neighbor as ourself. Amen. So as we read, I'm not going to make too much commentary. I just want us to see how God is thinking. So we're going to read from Exodus chapter 21 until partway through chapter 23. Now these are the rules you shall set before them. When you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years, and in the seventh he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife will go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, 
and he shall be his slave forever. When a man sells his daughter as a slave, she shall not go out as the male slaves do. If she does not please her master who has designated her for himself, then he shall let her be redeemed. He shall have no right to sell her to a foreign people since he has broken faith with her. If he designates her for his son, he shall deal with her as with a daughter. If he takes another wife to himself, he shall not diminish her food, her clothing, or her marital rights. And if he does not do these three things for her, then she shall go out for nothing without payment of money. Whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. But if he did not lie in wait for him, but God let him fall into his hand, then I will appoint for you a place to which he may flee. But if a man willfully attacks another man to kill him by cunning, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. Whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. Whoever steals a man and sells him and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. You realize that these are capital sins, capital crimes, and ki kidnapping, kidnap for ransom was a capital crime in God's way of thinking. When men quarrel and one strikes the other with a stone or his fist, and the man does not die but takes to his bed, then, if the man rises again and walks outdoors with his staff, he who struck him shall be clear, only he shall pay for the loss of his time, and shall have him thoroughly healed. When a man strikes his slave, male or female, with a rod, and the slave dies under his hand, he shall be avenged. But if the slave survives a day or two, he is not to be avenged, for the slave is his money." When men strive together and hit a pregnant woman so that her children come out, but there is no harm, the one who hits her shall surely be fined, as the woman's husband shall impose upon him, and he shall pay as the judge determine. But if there is harm, then you shall pay life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, stripe for stripe. When a man strikes the eye of his slave, male or female, and destroys it, he shall let the slave go free because of his eye. If he knocks out the tooth of his slave, male or female, he shall let the slave go free because of his tooth. When an ox gores a man or a woman to death, the ox shall be stoned and its flesh shall not be eaten. But the owner of the ox shall not be liable. But if the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and its owner has been warned but has not kept it in, and it kills a man or a woman, the ox shall be stoned, and its owner shall also be put to death. If a ransom is opposed on him, then he shall give for the redemption of his life whatever is imposed on him. If it gores a man's son or daughter, he shall be dealt with according to this same rule. If the ox gores a slave, male or female, the owner shall give to their master thirty shekels of silver, and the ox shall be stoned. When a man opens a pit, or when a man digs a pit and does not cover it, and an ox or a donkey falls into it, the owner of the pit shall be shall make restoration. He shall give money to its owner, and the dead beast shall be his. 
when one man's ox butts another so that it dies, then they shall sell the live ox and share its price, and the dead beast also they shall share. Or if it is known that the ox has been accustomed to gore in the past, and the owner has not kept it in, he shall repay ox for ox, and the dead beast shall be his. If a man steals an ox or a sheep and kills it or sells it, he shall repay five oxen for an ox, and four sheep for a sheep. So, repaying more than you stole, that's where principle comes in, and we learn that. If a thief is found breaking in and is struck so that he dies, there shall be no blood guilt for him. But if the sun has risen on him, there shall be blood guilt for him. He shall surely pay. If he has nothing, then he shall be sold for his theft. If a stolen beast is found alive in his possession, whether it is an ox or a donkey or a sheep, he shall pay double. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed over, or lets his beast loose and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best in his own field and in, in his own vineyard. Doesn't God know our character so well? He knows, well, if I have to do that, then I'm just going to give him this little, no, you give him the best. If fire breaks out and catches in thorns so that the stacked grain or the standing grain or the field is consumed, he who started the fire shall make full restitution. If a man gives to his neighbor money or goods to keep safe, and if it is stolen from the man's house, then if the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, the owner of the house shall come near to God to show whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. For every breach of trust, whether it is for an ox, for a donkey, for a sheep, for a cloak, or for any kind of lost thing, of which one says, this is it, the case of both parties shall come before God. The one whom God condemns shall pay double to his neighbor." If a man gives to his neighbor a donkey or an ox or a sheep or any beast to keep safe, and it dies or is injured or is driven away without anyone seeing it, an oath by the Lord shall be between them both to see whether or not he has put his hand to his neighbor's property. The owner shall accept the oath and he shall not make restitution. But if it is stolen from him, he shall make restitution to its owner." If it is torn by beasts, let him bring it as evidence. He shall not make restitution for what has been torn. If a man borrows anything of his neighbor and it is injured or dies, the owner not being with it, he shall make full restitution. If the owner was with it, he shall not make restitution. If it was hired, it came for its hiring fee. If a man seduces a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall give her the bride price for her and make her his wife. If her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money equal to the bride price for virgins. You shall not permit a sorceress to live. Whoever lies with an animal shall be put to death. What are we learning? We're learning what God is like. We're learning what God likes, what he doesn't like, what he will tolerate, what he will not tolerate. Whoever sacrifices to any God other than the Lord alone shall be devoted to destruction. You shall not wrong a sojourner 
or oppress him, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. Have a little compassion, in other words. Remember what you've been through when you look at other people. You shall not mistreat any widow or fatherless child. If you do mistreat them and they cry out to me, I will surely hear their cry, and my wrath will burn, and I will kill you with the sword, and your wives shall become widows, and your children fatherless. If you lend money to any of my people with you who is poor, you shall not be like a moneylender to him, and you shall not exact interest from him. If ever you take your neighbor's cloak in pledge, you shall return it to him before the sun goes down, for that is his only covering, and it is his cloak for his body. In what else shall he sleep? And if he cries to me, I will hear, for I am compassionate. You're learning the nature of God when you read these verses. You're learning how God cares about the poor, about the helpless, about the widows, about people who really can't speak up for themselves. God will speak up for them. Verse 28, you shall not revile God, nor curse a ruler of your people. You shall not delay to offer from the fullness of your harvest and from the outflow of your presses. The firstborn of your sons you shall give to me. You shall do the same with your oxen and with your sheep. Seven days it shall be with its mother. On the eighth day you shall give it to me. You shall be consecrated to me. Therefore you shall not eat any flesh that is torn by beasts in the field. You shall throw it to the dogs. Chapter 23. You shall not spread a false report. You shall not join hands with a wicked man to be a malicious witness. You shall not fall in with the many who do evil, nor shall you bear witness in a lawsuit, siding with the many so as to pervert justice, nor shall you be partial to a poor man in his lawsuit. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall bring it back to him. If you see the donkey of one who hates you lying down under its burden, you shall refrain from leaving him with it. You will rescue it with him. You shall not pervert the justice due to the poor among you in his lawsuit. Keep far from a false charge and do not kill the innocent and righteous, for I will not acquit the wicked. And you shall take no bribe, for a bribe blinds the clear-sighted and subverts the cause of those who are in the right. You shall not oppress a sojourner. You know the heart of a sojourner, for you were sojourners in the land of Egypt. A lot of you shall, you shall not, but you're learning the heart of God. You're learning he cares about people. He really cares that right things are done. And so even though it's like, oh, it's a long list of do this, do this, it's still important for us. Every word of God is important for us to learn the character of our Father and to learn what pleases Him. And today, we're going to go about being really nice to people, right? Because <laughs> we can see that's important to our God. All right, right now, let us spend a few moments together in worship. He's our rescuer. He's our rescuer. We are free from sin forever. Oh, how sweet the sound. 
have come to that time when we are reading our New Testament passage. And we are reading in the book of Matthew chapter 25. We will start today in verse 14. But last time in the book of Matthew, or shall we say, previously in the book of Matthew, as we read earlier in chapter 25, we're talking about learning a lesson that we don't know when Jesus is coming back again. So what are we supposed to do about it? Live ready. And it says just before where we start today, watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Verse 14 now. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To the one he gave five talents, to another two to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. You know, before we go any further, you have to just stop and realize God didn't hold the man with two talents accountable for five. And if God has given responsibility to you, you are accountable to God according to the responsibility he has given you, not the responsibility he has given some other person, but to you. So whatever it is, Take stock. What has God asked me to do? What has God given me? What has he entrusted me with? Has he entrusted me with a connect group? What has he entrusted me with? Because I will be accountable to him for exclusively what he has entrusted to my hands. And it says, now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you have delivered to me five talents. Here, I made five talents more. His master said to him, Well 
done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Pastor has taught us many, many times the reward for hard work is more hard work and the reward that is being given to these particular people, the one with five talents, is access to the master. Access is a reward. Access is something to be desired. It's a good thing. Access, access to God's presence, or maybe it's if you want to be really practical about this uh, application, access, you'll get access to your boss, access to the people that are running your company, and you will learn more if you are faithful and show yourself to be faithful. You'll get access as a reward. So sometimes responsibility, I'm going to give you, I'm going to set you over much. That's your reward. Sometimes access, that's your reward. Your reward doesn't always look like a treasure chest to you. <laughs> your reward looks like access. Your reward looks like more responsibility. Yeah. Rewards come in all different shapes and sizes. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, Master, you delivered to me two talents. Here, I've made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Well, you notice again, the one who received five and increased five, the one who received two and increased two, they got exactly the same words. Well done, good and faithful servant. See, God is not looking at did he ask you to do this great thing? He's asking you to do what he's asking you to do. And that is what you are accountable for. Do it well. Do it with diligence. Make sure it grows. Make sure if God has asked you to run a business or to handle a company or to be the mom of a family, make sure you take your responsibility very seriously and do it right. And realize that you are accountable to the Lord. Did you know that we are accountable to God for how we raised our children? That we raised them to serve God? Not, you know, I see people that do things with their kids, like send them off to go live with someone else for whatever kind of reason. Well, it's more convenient because, you know, I have this situation. Or it's more convenient because, you know, well, they have a better situation in their house. Be careful because God has given you those children and God will ask you to be accountable for the children that he gave you. So all these things that God has given us, that is exactly what we will be accountable to him for. Not anything more, not anything less, but exactly what he has given to us. Well, in verse 24, he also who had received the one talent came forward, saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your talent in the ground. 
Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away, and cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Did God expect the worthless servant, the one who received one talent, did he expect him to come back with ten? No, he expected him to come back with two. He expects a return on investment. He expects you to grow what he gives you. He expects you to be diligent and work hard. And he will hold you accountable for that. Now you need to think of that. Just think of it not with fear. Just think of it in practical terms. What has God entrusted to me? Whatever it is, I need to be diligently handling it because one day I'm going to give an account to him for that which he has entrusted to me. Children, houses, land, cars, whatever it is. What has God entrusted to you? joyfully come back to him and say, look, Lord, this is what I'm bringing back to you. And what are you going to hear? Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. <laughs> and you've done this much now. Here, here's some more responsibility. And here, here's some access more access to the presence of the Lord. Amen. For our Proverbs reading today, we're going to Proverbs chapter 7, and we're going to read verses 6 to 13. When we just finished last Proverbs reading yesterday, we were talking about the Word of God being able to keep us from the adulterous, wayward woman so we pick up with that wayward woman starting today. So in verse 6, For at the window of my house I have looked out through my lattice, and I have seen among the simple, I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner. So we're talking about the wayward woman. And someone is looking out through the window and observing life. That's a wise person, a person who watches, watches people, watches situations and says, hmm, mm-hmm, yep, that's what, that's what I can observe. This is what I can perceive. And so he was perceiving among the youth a young man lacking sense just wasn't thinking, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. Guys, don't go near sin. Don't go to that corner. Go somewhere else and you will find that you live a lot freer <laughs> from sin and from temptation. Just go in the opposite direction. Don't go there. 
if your buddies are telling you, oh, come on, let's go drinking. Well, at least just come with us, you know, just for the company. No, don't. <laughs> don't even go near there. Don't go where they are going to sin. Just don't go there. And behold, the woman meets him, dressed as a prostitute, wily of heart. She's loud and wayward. Her feet do not stay at home. Okay, there's a lesson. Our feet, sometimes they need to stay at home. I know we've been quarantined and we don't want to stay at home. But sometimes, you know, we need to be people who are happy to be at home and that our enjoyment comes there in our home. Now in the street, now in the market, at every corner, she lies in wait. She seizes him and kisses him with bold face and says to him, dot, 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 to be continued. Imagine whoever was uh, organizing our scripture reading. <laughs> Cut it off right there and says to him, this is going to be a to be continued. But what do we see? We see that the one instigating the sin, it's not always the guy going after the poor girl. Sometimes it's the girl going after the guy. That happens too. It happens both ways. And we learn that sin is bold. We learn that sin comes right up and talks to you. Sin just calls you on the phone and says, hey, you should come with me and let's just be wicked together. Let's just do this thing or that thing together. Sin loves company. Sin loves to get a hold of you. And come on, come with me. Come on. Very bold. Let us not get near the corner. In other words, let us not even entertain sin in our lives. Amen? Not even entertain the idea of sin. Not even think the thoughts that will lead to the actions. Let's stay away from sin and let's set our hearts to purely serve the Lord our God. Amen and amen. Well, it has been a great joy to be with you today for Morning Devotions. Pastor, we'll be back with you tomorrow morning. Meanwhile, it was my pleasure to read the Word of God together with you. I'd like to invite you also to join us tonight at 7 o'clock for our online evening service. God bless you.